Welcome back, hopers and dreamers, hustlers and schemers. This is the Kessel Run Comics Podcast, specifically episode 14. And if we aren't ready to bring you guys some comic reviews, as always, with our top five, then we're going to have to be sadly disappointed when we get to the spec slash news part. All right, let's just save the pleasantries and jump straight into top five. Jacob, what we got for number five? Number five, we got an interesting pick. The cover's really what got it on the list. Because Matt can vouch for this. Anytime you get, I think you said they were called like a good girl cover. Yeah. Like, I'm a sucker for those. And Mac knows this. And ever since Mac got in the shipment for these books, before they were even on the shelf, I got a glimpse of this book. And Mac will vouch. Like, I said, ooh, this looks like some heat. And... It was subpar heat. Like, it was, like, medium low <laughs> yeah, on the stove. But we got Justice League Odyssey number 19 and Starfire Herald of Darkseid. That's the whole reason I wanted to read it. You got Herald of Darkseid. And I love Starfire as a character. I love all of the Teen Titan characters. You know, I own the the first issue where um, Raven's dad died. You know, like, that's just one of them. Trigon? Yeah. Isn't that his name? Yeah, a lot of people don't know his name's Trigon, but a lot of people know him as, like, Raven's dad. Right. Because even, I don't even know if they say his name in the new Teen Titans Go stuff. So I'm just like, Raven's dad, because everyone knows who he is. But I just don't like that minor key, but because I haven't really been into him. But I thought this was going to be some heat. It was the pure, the one thing me and Mac despise about any comic book, and that's 99% reading and 1% action. There wasn't no action in this book until like the last three or four pages. It was all epoch talking about time. But at the end, there was a character who appeared that me nor Mac know who he is. I'm not saying it's a first appearance, but because we are not DC people at all by any means. So we could be wrong. He looked kind of like Taskmaster. He did look a little taskmastery. He was a little chunky to be taskmaster, though. Well, that's I was like, but his like whole um, pointed hood and stuff, you right. know, was looking like taskmaster, like galactic taskmaster. Like DC's just trying to one up Marvel with again. You, you know, know what's kind of crazy is I just noticed this number five on our list and the number four on our list are both the books that I mentioned have Star Wars like references in them. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of... You got a whole tangent about this book in Star Wars. Oh. And the next one. So... Go ahead and let them know. We're obviously not in, you know, the the spec category, nor are we uh, in the news category right now. We're in our top five. But if you're a big comic book fan, I'm sure you heard sometime this week, whether it was the morning routine, your evening routine... If you watched any sort of comic content this past week, and I'm not talking about this week that we're live in right now in the middle of, I'm talking about last week. Last week, there was news both from official sources and unofficial sources that say that DC's comic books may cease to exist by this same time next year. Yeah. That DC and Marvel might become one. And, or, DC might just cease to exist yeah and i've i've been hearing for a while that marvel and dc might merge like i remember seeing that but i didn't take it as like noteworthy 
Yeah, the, the nobody on. takes something like that. Yeah, serious. I was like, man, we ain't even gonna talk about it on the podcast. You know, I got a notification about it. I was like, oh, this again. You know, right. like it's not the first time that's been talked about. But I didn't really find any traction with that until Brian, one of our regulars, had said that one of the executives for AT and T went on record saying that. Yes, and for people who don't know, AT and T, the phone company, yes actually owns DC. Yeah, and that's whenever I was like, oh boy, this might be happening. Yeah. You know, like, because D- someone from DC saying it, like, that's like, eh, you know, they're just running their mouth. But whenever, like, the big boys saying it, like, might need to talk about that the a little The king bit. of the conglomerate, basically. Yeah. Boy. So, like, the Star Wars thing I wanted to talk about in this book and the number four on our list, but we're starting here because we're on number five. So... There's a character in this, and I forgot what her name is, partially because Hacks. I don't... Huh? Hacks. Hacks, just H-A-X. Yeah. That's what she was referred to. Gotcha. As, I think he called her Dr. Hacks or something, or Miss Hacks. Well, so Hacks is a blue-skinned, red-eyed female character, and if you're a Star Wars fan, especially a diehard like me, or just into the Star Wars TV shows or novels, and the reason why I said TV shows or novels is because this character is one of those characters that has only been in the Star Wars Rebels TV show and has been in novels, never an actual Star Wars movie. So They weren't in Clone Wars? Uh, no. Well, maybe the race was, but the character I was about to reference has never popped up. But people will know the character Grand Admiral Thrawn. Thrawn's people are called the Chiss. They're, you know, like I said, the blue-skinned, red-eyed uh, people. Uh, I think they're planet is by the same name or by a very similar name um either way hacks looks just like that not only does she look just like that but the pan one of the first panels that you get a really good look at her the panel i showed you i gave you a sneak peek of yeah to and, point it out and as i said the character that i'm referencing that is the most popular chiss character is grand admiral Thrawn. The word bubbles that followed Hax's first panel appearance in this book, just in the story, I'm sure she's been in numerous issues after this. I didn't mean first appearance as in an actual first appearance. I meant as in in this book. The first time you see her in the word bubble right over top, you see in bold grand, what was it? Grand scheme? I think it was grand scheme or grand yeah. grand something. Either way, the word grand was there. Not to mention one line lower than that in the same exact word bubble. It says thwart, thrawn, thwart, grand, grand admiral. Coincidence? I think not. Who knows? Maybe this is one of those little, you know, Easter egg type hints that are kind of leaning towards Marvel and DC in the next few months, or like I said, in less than a year, becoming one entity. Who knows? That's all I've really got to say yeah, about this Her name's Arla Hacks. Arla Hacks. Yeah, she doesn't even have a um, fandom page. Hmm. Yeah, like, she's not a very... Well, she could have been, I mean, character. to our knowledge, she could have been a character that was 
that first appeared earlier in this same series, like in That's issue five or she's something. She's listed like. as a member, but she just doesn't have a page because I just did a quick, you know, Google gotcha. on well, it. She real might quick. be a brand new character. I doubt this is her first appearance. Oh but, no, 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 yeah, not but this she's book. A, she's a new like, member of the team, right? Type of thing. Yeah, she might have appeared <laughs> earlier for the first time in this title. Not sure about that though, because yeah. I think we've only been a comic shop long enough to get like issue eight. Yeah. So I've been here for about a year. Yeah. So like, yeah, that's about tw- nineteen minus twelve. Yeah. So, but it w- the story for this book is good. You know, if you're if you're caught up on Justice League Odyssey, this book probably will not be a letdown. Yeah. Because I, I can mean, see that. I enjoyed it. It had a nice little twist. I had a couple little twists towards the end. Mm-hmm. It was just a lot of build up for him. Like Epoch likes to talk. Facts. But I mean, he's the he's his whole power is time. So I guess that's like all he can do really he's got plenty of time to talk yeah so i mean he's just using it but i'm ready to slap a rating on it if you are yeah i'm gonna say this book for me again not being a dc guy being out of context uh didn't really like i mean didn't really think that she was that starfire was the herald of galact or galactus herald of dark side boy that let me down like so much because they're all being controlled by dark side yeah, so there there wasn't anything that singled her out and made her special. Like, it wasn't like she went from being regular Starfire to being like a powered-up Herald Starfire. I think it's going to be number 20, though. And it might be. It might be. But for my rating, I'm slapping a 2 on it out of 5. I'm going to stick right there with you. I'm okay. going to stick with a 2. I feel like a 1.5 is too low. Because I feel like if I would have read maybe like 17 and 18... This book prop might could have been like a three and a half, four. Yeah. You know? But it's just so much out of context. Again, just... if you've read this, you know, it probably is going to be great for you. Especially because, you know, there is some last page goodness. But on the flip side, I'd rather just talk about number four. Yeah. Number four on our list. And I wasn't honestly too fond of number four because it was kind of hard for me to understand but number four on our list is Strange Adventures number one of 12. This is a new DC black label book from Strange Adventures. I mean, it, it literally tells you in this comic book that the Strange Adventures were stories or a bunch of different missions that Adam Strange went on. And I don't know. I know that Tom King is one of those legendary writers, especially for DC, that just blow people away. People love some Tom King action. But his most recent work, other than this, on Batman, you know, was kind of, for lack of a better term, it it was wishy-washy. There were some people who loved it, and there were some people who didn't really like it at all, especially because in his part of the run, he killed Alfred. Well, I feel like that's with any like writer that has a lot of people that love them. You yeah. Know? Like, especially one notable writer right now that I'll point out is Donny Cates. You love Donny Cates. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. But I'm, you don't hate him. Like, well, yeah, I don't like, hate This is awful. I'm not going to go out of my way. I'm not. Well, I mean, for me to say it's awful, it would have to be, like, exquisitely terrible. Yes. You know? Like, because bad writing can be made up for with good artwork, in my opinion. I agree. And I feel like that's what keeps him out of that. Like, he has some good artists. But with this book, I I thought it was interesting. I liked it. After looking at the cover, like, just sitting here staring at it, like, it kind of makes more sense what's going on. 
and it's just any political story, you know? He's referred to as a hero. He comes over here, and everyone says he's... There are some people that say he's not. How, this book is Space Chris Kyle. Yeah, I can see that. Crystal that's exactly clear. what this is now. I've been thinking about that's it. Chris Kyle has his own book. He's a lot of people think he's a hero. A lot of people don't. You know, right? So this is basically it's a mixed it's, bag. Yeah, it's a story like that. He's a hero in his own eyes. He thinks he's a hero, but a lot of people don't think he is. I think the biggest thing that crushed me about this was just it was so back and forth. You know, if you wanted to give me kind of like a semi-origin story or show me how he got into the current position that he's in, I wish Tom King wouldn't have flip-flopped back yeah. and forth between events that were happening on happening on Earth. Ran. Oh, yeah, Ran. Yeah, on Ran, um, and then flipping back to Earth, like to him doing book signings and hanging out with his wife and, you know, just the like you said, the political aspect of things, like... You could have taken me through the entire backstory through the first, like, eight pages and then spent the l- next 14 or whatever explaining what was going to happen, you know, in the political aspect and on Earth, you know, yeah. once he's come back from Rand. It was like three now, three on Rand, two now, one on Rand, three now. Like It just kept flipping back and forth. Yeah, and that was kind of a headache for me because for a character that I know virtually nothing about, in Adam Strange, this didn't help me really grasp much more of his character. Yeah, what's it, going on? It, it did get a, do a good sto- a good job of telling why people don't like him, right? And why some people do, right? But as far as his character wasn't developed at all. Mm-hmm. It just painted a very black and white image of what's going on in the story. And maybe this book wasn't meant to be <clears throat> written for people like us, like people who don't enjoy Adam Strange. Maybe this was for the diehard Strange lovers. You know, because yeah. I'll go ahead and tell you right now. I mean, I'm I may read issue two if it's got just as eye catching as a co- of a cover as this one does. But I mean, as far as you know, story, I hope if I read the second one that it doesn't flip flop as much because that was one thing that just got me tired and was ready to for the reading to be over. Yeah, it didn't bother me so much. I just felt like the political aspect of it was very lackluster. Yes. You know, like, if it would have been, like, some actual heated political-style stuff, like, something like House of Cards, you know? Right. Like, that kind of aspect of it, or, like, I guess Mad Men you could kind of consider. Mad Men's not traditional political, but it is, like, business, you know? Like, something like that, like, that can keep my attention, even though there's no action going on. But this just wasn't. This was just, oh, no, they're saying I'm a bad guy. Oh, no. Right. You know? You guys know I wouldn't make something out of nothing. And as I said while we were reviewing issue or number five, uh, the Justice League Odyssey number 19, the Star War, or this semi Star Wars reference or the homage that I saw in there, what I was basically, you know, trying to make something out of nothing potentially. But then again, I mean, like I said, these could all be hints, so they're worth a mention. Adam Strange, I don't know anything about him. I don't know if the weapons that he uses are his regular arsenal or whether he kind of flip-flops back and forth between using different types of weapons. But specifically in this issue one, I saw it from the jump. From the first time he was aiming down the barrel of his gun and then later when he tries to hand his 
pistol over to Batman or his blaster over to Batman. Um, it looks just like Jango Fett from Star Wars, his Westar 34 blaster. Almost identical. The back part of it, basically where the hammer on a actual pistol would be, looks identical. The barrel being elongated and then kind of being almost arrowhead shaped at the end, identical. Really, the only thing that was different was the chambers on top of the barrel. And I think the Westar 34 is hollow through the grip or through the... Yeah. What is that called, I guess? A the grip? handle? Is it the grip? I got that right off the get-go? Nice. Definitely don't know much about guns, as you can tell. I mean, like if, like, if we're being, like, really technical, like, on a normal pistol, that's normally, like, a lower receiver. Yeah. But, like, we don't know how the West Stars put together. Right. You know? So, it's the handle. It's what you hold it by. Yeah. So, the handle on the West Star 34 in Star Wars is hollow. Like, I mean, there's an outer part of it and an inner part of it. Because, obviously, you'd have to grip both sides of it, wrap your hand around it. But the middle is just hollow. This, we couldn't really get a good enough look at it because, obviously, most of the time he's gripping it. And even the one time where he's presenting it to Batman, you're looking at it from almost a bird's eye view point. Yeah. Like, enough where you can't see the handle. So, that was really... In this book, the only thing that I really loved or enjoyed was if that is an homage, you know, if the artist was like, hey, I like Star Wars, I like what the blaster looks like, I'm just going to copy this, then great, like, I noticed it, and it was something that a Star Wars fan like me appreciated. But other than that, I don't really have much more to say about this book. How about you? I mean, if you like political stuff, if you're a Strange fan, I'd recommend it. And you know who I think would really like this book? Who? My dad. Really? Something about this just makes me think Woody would like it. I don't know if it's the sci-fi aspect of it or what, but this is something I could see Woody like getting into. Heard that. The Woodrow Wilson being called out on the podcast. If only he listened. Yeah. All right. What's your rating? I'm going to give it a two. Still. Like, you know, I'll do a little bit better than that. I'll sit at a two and a half because just the Star Wars gives a, a half point bump. Well, then why wasn't... I'm going to call you out now. Why wasn't Justice League there? Because, honestly, that one I wanted to put in the ones territory. Like, I just didn't like it at all. Like you said, like, the one thing that just gripes me more than anything is the lack of action. And just too much talking. And that issue 19, like you said, up until third from the last page, fourth from the last page, no action. The thing about Strange... Adventures, yeah, I hated how it hopped around, you know, from past to present. But, hey, there was action almost every other page. Like, something was going on. Either someone was screaming in his face, like, at the book signings, like, whether that, you know, that's just some typical action that would happen on Earth, or whether he was fighting, you know, the Pikes, yeah. or what were they called? I Pikes, think. it was like P-Y-Y-T-K. Is it Picks? Or something Might like be. that. It's... A weird alien race. Again, I mean, if it was Pikes, which I don't think it was, that's a that's a uh, alien syndicate from Star Wars. So let it be Pikes, and that's just another reference. But either way, ladies and gents, like I said, two point five for me, two from Jacopo. One thing I will say about it that I'm thinking about right now, just looking at number three, I didn't like how he when he was in ran. How he kind of had a Booster Gold-esque attitude. Oh, he had a super booster attitude. And I don't like that. You can't do... Mm. You can't... Mm-mm, nope. Can't mm. be doing that and not in these parts. I wonder who's older. 
as far as like creation goes. Man, I don't care. Booster Gold's the man. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, how about you introduce number three then? So number three on the list, we have a book that I think it's gonna it's it's gonna be on the top. It's gonna be on the top five for the next couple of months. I'm gonna go ahead and say that. We got Harley Quinn, but we're on number 71 now. And guest starring Booster Gold is actually on the cover this time. Last time it wasn't. Yeah. And this has just been an all-around good story so far. The arc has been wonderful. Harley Quinn's motivated with all this Harley Quinn hype, like with Birds of Prey and everything. It's just... I loved it. You know, I'm loving all this Harley Quinn. She's always been one of my favorite DC characters. When I, Whenever I was in high school, I was actually keeping up with Harley Quinn comics to a certain degree. I would download them digitally. And she's really the only other DC character that I like enough to buy the comics for. What if Booster Gold and Harley had a love child? That's what I'm about to say. Booster Gold's number one. So anything with both of them, definitely going to get me to read. And I feel like they're both represented pretty well here. We haven't got too much Booster action. Alright. You like Booster Quinn or Harley Gold better? I don't know. That's not a question for right Uncle Moss would love some Harley Gold. <laughs> Damn, I'm just calling out your whole family on the podcast tonight. I swear. But it was... I love the story. She's highly motivated. And she's getting to the point where she doesn't care. You know? Right. Like, even when people try to strong arm her, she's... You know, she'll step back, think about it, and then she's like... I have a PhD. Like she brought that up several times in this book. Oh yeah, she did. And that's something that I feel like they're really pushing with Harley. They're almost trying to make her not as crazy. Yeah. And like try to make her more of a like educated crazy, especially with kind of like a calculated crazy. She's not calculated. She's still chaotic, but just yeah, like before or after she'll like analyze stuff. She's like, I have a PhD. I'm a doctor. Yeah. Like in Birds of Prey, like she would like psychologically break down people. Yeah. And be like, oh, you're acting like this because of this, that, and the third. And then they'll be like, what? And she's like, oh, nothing. I'm a doctor. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> but I'm loving it because, like I've said, Harley's great. This book, wonderful. Yeah. I, I'm going to come in where you were saying heavily earlier how the arc is just really, really good. This arc... You know, when we read issue 70 and it was the first issue in that arc and it was kind of a wrestling arc. I was never a wrestling fan as a kid and nor am I a wrestling fan now. But Harley Quinn and her teammate, you know, just have a really cool relationship. Also, her teammate has a daughter and so Harley is tied in with her. And like you said, you know, Harley is using every single one of her tools to get to the bottom of this potential murder. Yeah. One of the things I like the most about it is everyone's trying to say it's a suicide and how she'll pull up like, no, it was a murder. I've murdered people. <laughs> like, Yeah, or I was dating the Joker. Like, yeah. I know what a murder like, was. She like. just pulls it up several times like, I've witnessed it before. That was not a suicide. You know? Like, I'm the best detective for this because I'm the one who's experienced. You know? Right. And I just, I really love how she's really trying you know, it's Harley doing something that's not just pure chaos. She's facts. motivated for once. Big facts. Yeah, and honestly, I thought after last issue we were going to get, you know, a, a fair amount of Booster Gold. 
But it was like that last issue was just basically a, a kind of cameo. And when I say cameo, you know, he just popped up for a couple of pages. He was on like a couple panels, more like it. Yeah. And then in this one, I thought he was going to be a decent amount. Like you said, Booster Gold is like it says on the cover, both he is on the cover in the uh, background, but also it says guest starring Booster Gold. So I thought it was going to be Booster and Harley from page one. Yeah, and it wasn't. And when it did you notice that when Booster Gold did show up, it picked up right where the last one left off. Did it pick up right where the last one left off, or were they just back in the bar? I think it picked up. I thought they were just back. Because Harley the bar. looked upset again. Yeah, but like she looked because she was upset when she met him in the bar. Right. So I feel like it just like picked up like she was telling him all that had happened. You know, and then she was like, "And now I need your help." Yeah, I, one of the things I liked about their meeting at the bar this time was uh, it did look like there was a little swoon from Harley Quinn. She was like, wow, that was cute. Like yeah. something that like Booster said to her like kind of moved her a little bit on the, the heart side, you know? She called my boy cute. We about to have, ooh, move on. It's a good thing Shane with Joker no more. Booster Time for Quinn. Booster action. Time for that Booster baby. Boy. A futuristic mayhem child? Like, jeez. But I'm not really trying to spoil the plot, because there's a lot of plot here. There is a you lot know? of and like I don't even want to bring up any other smaller stuff, because it was constant. Yes, you it, know? Was. it this, I mean, this was a bunch of reading, but it was also a bunch of action. You've got neo-Nazis, you've got uh, Puppet, Babyface. She's just going after them. Oh, yeah. But I'm ready to slap her on if you are. I am. For me, I'm sitting at like a 3.5. Like, again, Jacob brought up the fact that, you know, this arc is just, the plot is really thickening. Yeah. And so, from a Harley Quinn book, you normally would not be suspecting something like that. You know, you expect it to be kind of silly and ditzy. And, you know, the the first two issues, for example, that we read before this, like 68 and 69, both of those were practically one-shots within her ongoing series. We had said that they were like anthologies. Yeah, and now this, you know, is basically, you know, amounting to a what what more could I want out of a, a storyline? I mean, it, it's keeping me entertained the entire time from page to page. It's it jerks certain emotions and makes you feel certain things cuz you actually do feel sympathetic for multiple characters like in this story so far. And it gives people like you who are, enjoy the minor characters or like kind of the B and C list heroes, it, it allows Booster to have some right here, you know, in an A-list character title. And more than likely, the results of this book being purchased will reflect that and he'll get his own series, whether it be a mini or a ongoing. Excuse me, he is part of the Legion of Heroes? <laughs> it's like the, the B-list Justice League? Dang, well, it but, sounds like I just hit nail on the head. But, B-list hero. He's not a B-list. He's A-list. Uh, he's cocky to Superman, okay? If he's only, an A-list. If only you were a super Star Wars fan, I could make a huge Star Wars reference right now. Go ahead and make it. It'd be like, only in your mind, my very young apprentice. Like, Because Anakin makes a comment in episode two. He's like, I thought I rivaled Yoda as a swordsman. And then Obi-Wan <laughs> just clapped back with, like, only in your mind, my very young apprentice. But, so, my rating, I'm going to have to give this a four. And I feel bad giving it a four. Why? That's, I mean, the second. But it was it was fire to me. You know, like we've said, good arc. 
One thing I've loved about every Harley Quinn book we've read thus far is the art. This artist is wonderful at portraying Harley Quinn. Bossery? Yeah. And every... I didn't want to murder the name. Yeah. And they're so good. Like, they can do... The fact that they can do someone like Harley so well, but also draw, like, her um, tag team partner's daughter, who's just a normal-looking person. Yeah. Just so well. She was gorgeous. Yeah. And I love how it's almost, like, cartoon-esque. And that's weird to say that in a comic book. Yeah. But they are. They've drawn they're drawn almost like cartoon characters instead of how normally comic book characters are drawn like semi realistic, you know? Right. Like they're not realism by any means, but they normally have like realistic proportions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But this they're drawn like cartoon characters. Like when you see the ad when you're reading this book and you see the ad for the Harley cartoon series, like they, they look they have similarities. For sure. And that's just something I've loved. And this series has just blown me away so far since we've got back into it. Well, since we've kept reading it. So, it's a solid four. Because this is the only series that you could do anthology. Like, almost like an anthology. And then have a random arc. Right. In the middle of. I mean, I agree. Like, it just goes to show, you know, the same level of sporadic behavior that Harley has. I mean, her title is identical. Yeah. It's wonderful. So, Mac, you can go ahead and move us on to the number two spot. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for number two, I have Spider-Man Noir, number one. So, I did kind of an anticipated top five. For those of you who watch it, thank you. But I did an anticipated top five like I always do every Tuesday night. And I mentioned that I had no idea who the writer, Margaret Stoll, or the artist Juan Ferreira. And the reason why I said it like that is because there's like a E-Y-R-A in there. So I'm pretty sure that's how you'd say that. I mean, I probably should have trilled my R's after the first double R. But, I mean, either way, I've never heard of either one of these content creators. These are, to my knowledge, completely new folks. I mean, I'd like to look into that a little bit more eventually. But, no need. I really thoroughly truly enjoyed this book whether it was the beautiful art both on the cover and on the interior but also the literacy and the way this book was written the terminology that's used that you know is from the 30s and the 40s it was just so cool and the fact that the book is with a few exceptions being like Mary Jane and the inside of uh, Aunt May's house. This book is very black and white without being all black and white. I love that. I mean, I felt like that was exactly what this book needed. What's that called? What? When it's black and white except for certain colors. I didn't know I had a specific. Yeah. I mean, I've never been an artist. I, I used to know it. Yeah. But I can't remember what it is because, like, some, uh, two of my favorite movies, like Sin City and uh, Spirit, they're like yeah. that. Got you. Well, I mean, this book, Up and Down, I don't really want to talk about it too much in detail because there are really cool homages. I like how the club in this book is called The Black Cat. I mean, that's just interesting. And, and Felicia runs it. Yeah, and Felicia runs it. So, I mean, even though we didn't get to see Felicia in this, I bet she looks awesome. 
I guarantee you, since this is kind of like 30s, 40s, you know, right there on the cusp, it takes place in 39 to be exact. I almost guarantee you that, like, when we see Black Cat, she'll have, like, kind of one of those, like, faux fur, just, like, neck wraps. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it goes over both sides and, like... She's definitely going to have a cigarette on one of them long sticks. Yes, yes. Definitely. Yes, I would love to see that. I hope that's what we see in issue two. But, from top to bottom, I don't have anything other than pleasant remarks about this book. Yeah. What did you think? I thought it was pretty good. I've always said of all the Spider-Men, my top two, and they're kind of tied, have always been Noir and the Punk Spider-Man. Yeah. I just love those two. Spider-Punk. Yeah, Spider-Punk's the man. Spider-Punk is the man. I hope he gets his own series next. He probably will. Because he's wonderful. I mean, Diamond, uh, they've already been putting out statues. Really? Yeah. I might get a... Spider Punk statue in the shop. Imagine that. Ah, uh, boy. Flippity floppity. Might not be here too long. <laughs> but I love the book. You know, I'm glad they've portrayed Spider Man Noir how I feel he should be with guns. You know, like that's one reason he's always been my favorite was because he was the Spider Man who really just went that one little hair over, you know, over the line. He's a private investigator in this one, not a photographer. You know, and I like how him and um, J. Jonah Jameson have like a deal, right? Where you know Peter Parker finds the finds the real good details. J. Jonah reports them on the radio during the True Crime Hour, and they kind of work together. And I feel like that's a neat take on that whole relationship because normally it's the opposite. Yeah. You know? And not only that, but like there's normally some bad blood there, and J. Jonah not one time you know kind of barked or you know said any kind of foul words to Peter. Yeah. yeah, they were just professional. Yeah, and like even they worked together. Like Jay Jonah paid off the cops to let him get into the crime scene, and he was just like, "Come on, we got ten minutes. Let's go. Ahead. Come on, do your thing." You know. And I just thought it was a really neat adaptation on that relationship. And like you said, this art, boy, this art is something else. I love how they have full page. Yeah, like, like splash pages. Yeah. And I just love that. Like it kind of threw me off the first time. I was like, "Wait, this panel's in the middle of the page." And then I was like, oh, "It's a full page, yeah. with like the big panels." And I was like, "Yes, I love that. I, I love it when books do that, because you get to see like such intricate little details." Yeah, I was about to say that's really when they're trying to flex their artist, like when yeah. they're really trying to have their artist show out. Yeah, and boy, Juan did. Yeah, I have no idea. Again, like I'm going to do more research about both Margaret, the writer, and Juan. The artist. I did some research on Margaret. Okay. And she's a novelist. Okay. But you've seen, you've had some of her stuff. Well, no, you had. I don't think you had any of it in here. But she did the 2017 Captain Marvel. Okay. And cool. she did Black Widow, Red Vengeance. Okay, haven't had that. And she did. She did like three or four different Captain Marvels. But she's mostly a novelist. Yeah, she's mostly a novelist. But when she's, she's only ever done uh, female characters I could find. Nice. I didn't pull up like her Marvel page. That was just what Google had listed as her books. Well, she did a fantastic job with this. Yeah, this is wonderful. I love the time period it's in, but mostly like my love for this book was the art. I loved every page. Like I told you, normally I just read the bubbles, but this is a book where I paid attention. You know, like you beat me. We started our last two books at the same time, and you beat me. Yeah. Because I was just sitting there looking at it. Juan drew a nicer fade on Peter Parker than I've ever gotten in my life. 
<laughs> it did look good, and I really liked Peter's design when he didn't have the costume on, like when they were in yeah, the maze house. Yeah, that whole turtleneck vest thing was pretty, was pretty nice. Yeah, and I'm not into vests or turtlenecks. I would be if I wasn't so fat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. But this was a wonderful book. You know, I'm not saying it wasn't a good story by any means, but I, you know, with my slight art background, I always appreciate the art if it's wonderful. And the story was neat. I like how Mary Jane isn't an actress or anything weird like that in this one. Well, she normally is an actress. But I liked how this time she was... She worked for um, Aunt May. Yeah, she worked you know? at a... Um, what was the center? It, it was, was a community center. Yeah, community center. And it was just a neat, you know, just whole retake on the whole situation. Of what happened, of what normally goes on in Spider-Man. Yes, indeed. But I'm ready to slap a rating on it if you are. Yes, sir. Um, I think I'm gonna sit at a. I'm gonna sit at a three point five because I think there were certain aspects that could have been better. But like I said, nothing to directly gripe about. Yeah, I, I liked basically the reason why I'm a three point five is because the story kind of ended flat-ish. The only reason I say that is because it kind of closed out on a happy note. It wasn't left on an exciting cliffhanger or anything like that. I mean, they got on a plane. But he's going to go solve a crime. Right, but what I'm saying is it wasn't... But what I'm saying is it's not like they got on the plane and then, like, the plane started going down, like, just over Europe. Like, if something like that had happened and that's where it ended up, I'd be like, oh, how are they going to do this? Because not only... How many times has Amazing Spider-Man solved an international crime? Uh, I'm pretty sure he went to London at one point. Okay, well, Spider-Man Noir is doing the issue number one, okay? He's got a mini-series. He's my boy going, Spidey's had, like, eight ongoings. He's going to the... Get heart. at him. This is World War Two, and he's going to Germany. <sighs> It'd be okay. Okay, so, like, this is gonna be some heat. Well, when you got spider powers, are you really worried about Nazis with just guns? I'm not. Nazis had a lot more than guns going on over there. Tanks, even. I ain't worried about tanks if I got the power to pick it up and we're throw not gonna, it. We're not going to talk about the World War II mad German scientists and all the stuff they were trying to do over there. Exactly. I mean, I'm, I'm getting more excited because I'm, I'm ready to talk tank. about this number one. Are you? Are yes, you ready? I am. Talk I'm about really my ready. Saturday, Sunday baby mama like that? Saturday, Sunday, baby mama. He got different ones for different days of the week, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus. You, re- you ready for me to introduce this book? Yes. What is numero uno? Number one is what anyone could have predicted it to be. That's Strange Academy. And this book is wonderful. I loved every page of it. I loved every panel of it. They do such a good job. Scotty Young is such a fantastic writer. I loved every character, even the annoying ones. Like you could tell, Calvin was meant to be annoying. He was meant to be the annoying little brother. And even him, I told you, I'm ready to see what he becomes. Yeah. Like we didn't get any of his magic, and I'm ready to see some of that. I'm ready to see all these characters develop. One of them's the Animage. Yeah. And they're just so neat. I think his name you were supposed to say Germaine. Because it has, like, a symbol over the head. Yeah, I was thinking it was, like, Germain. But, like, but, yeah, his magic, like, requires him being still, I guess. Or maybe just, like, kind of, he takes his essence and it leaves his body and becomes something else. Well, he turned into a tiger. Yeah, I know. Like, that was so neat. And 
there's some like one of the guys that comes in here he compared this to the x-men in my opinion like from this first issue this is such a broader spectrum than the x-men could cover just because like i pointed out to him x-men are all human at the end of the day like they're well they're not they're mutants but that's their race yeah they're no frost giants there's no demons despair's a literal demon yeah, there's no she's, fairies. She, yeah, like, Despair is one of my favorite characters, too, because she just always sees the bad. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a neat, like, I want them to draw, like, panels that are what she sees. That would be pretty dope. Yeah. It would also be pretty scary. Like, I want that to happen, like, for her to be, like, even if they have, like, a little arc that focuses on Despair. Right. And they just, like, draw certain panels, like, what she sees, like, that would be fantastic. And we didn't even get to see too much of the guest stars, like the guest uh, teachers. Yeah. But, oh boy, there's so much to be had. Some Scarlet Witch, some magic. I mean, come on now. We didn't get the best teacher of them all. We didn't even get, and we won't get until issue two. The man thing. <laughs> Look, y'all sleeping on my boy man thing, but that last class of the day from 3.30 to 4.30... Boy, I would be so excited if I was at that school. You'd be a teacher's for pet. For last period. You'd be a teacher's pet. Yes, I would be. Like, but let's not 10%. flex. I'd be a genius about botany at the end of the day. <laughs> You'd be botanicals. Yes. But I thought it was a great book. They didn't really break too much into the story here. It was very introductory. Yeah, and this is how an introductory book should be done. Yeah. Like, 10 out of 10. Strange um, Adventures needs to take a note on how to do an introductory book. Like, 110%, because this was such a great book. The Marvel SA number one did better than the DC SA number one. Yeah, 110%. Like, I would fully stand by that. I really like how you just immediately, because I think this is, is this not the first Scotty Young written thing? That you've read before? No, uh, Middle West is Scotty Young. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I love me some Middle West action. And Middle West is kind of throw me under the bus like that. I'm sorry. But this is the okay. This is definitely the first Scotty Young Marvel book that you've written. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, hundred and ten percent. About to say, I was reading some Deadpool action like earlier last summer when he was working on Deadpool, and that was hilarious. I love some Scotty Young Deadpool. That's a run worth collecting in itself, and I think that's only about 20, 25 issues. Scotty Young is one of the few, like, he, he does everything. He's an artist, writer, but he's one of the few people that, like, if I went to a convention and he was there, it wouldn't matter if I didn't have a book with me. Like, I would go to a booth, find any Scotty Young book, and just get in that line to meet him. Facts. Like, I'd wait, and I'd probably, if I meet Scotty Young, which at some point, whether I'm still owning the show, shop or i'm just a comic book reader and fan and collector that i always will be to some extent whether it's just my star wars stuff or whether i am you know still like i am now collecting a little superhero stuff um i will 10 out of 10 the first time i meet scotty at least have five books in hand to be signed if not 10 or more (laughs) just just gonna walk up with a whole backpack of books boy I'm gonna get, and if CGC's on site, they're all gonna be gold, gold label slabs. 
boy, the Comet Carbonite will be real. After that this, Scotty kind of Young become like he made it in my top three comic book people to meet. After this book, because I've always appreciated his art, but this I really put his writing into the grand scheme of things for me. The nail in the coffin for Jacob's love. Like he's a solid number two. He stole it. Who's number one? You know who number one is. Your favorite writer? No, like my oh, favorite is general thought, comic book. That's what I thought you were talking about. I don't writer. have a favorite writer. Well, you said this moved into the top three content create or comic creators. So I was like, who are the other two? Trying well, to think. I said comic creators just the grasp everything. You know. Well, who would be two that would keep this from being number one? Well, he's number two. There's only one above him. It's Shannon Mayer. Oh. Yeah. You know I love me some Shannon Mayer covers. Ooh. Can't can't go wrong with that. Facts. But, okay, I have a question about this book for you. Who is your favorite character? Oof, that's a hard one. Um, it's it's kind of, oof. Really, I I didn't have a single favorite character. Okay, I'll, I'll change my question then. Who's your most anticipated to develop? Like, see what they become. <clears throat> that's still pretty hard. Because, I mean, we obviously know Emily Bright is the one of the I'm gonna guess one, two, three, four, four human characters, fully human characters, because Emily hint like Germaine, I'm assuming, uh Calvin. Calvin and this girl. Forgot what her name is. I think it's like Zim or I don't know. Jan or Jav or something like that. But either way, she's from New Orleans. Yeah. Either way, those four like Really, the character, like, we know Emily, though, she's the most, like, she's the one that, you know, has the most mystery around her. I mean, other than Calvin, like you mentioned, it didn't even let us see his magical powers. But Emily is definitely the main character. And I think the one that I'm probably most kind of speculating on is either Doyle or his roommate. I love, put um, put it like that. I like that. No, Calvin wasn't his roommate. Alvin. Oh, I don't think it was Al. No, like Alvy was the smart one. Was the like one with the man bun. Oh. I'm talking about the one with like the down hair, the more Thor yeah. hair. Yeah. So either way, blonde Asgardian, cool brother, not the one that looks a little more well put together. So that brother, I think his name was like Ivis or yeah. something like that, or Ivil. Yeah. Something something around there. But Doyle and Ival, they're roommates, and I think that, not only that dynamic, like those two together, but also just individually, I think that's going to be really, that for me is the most interesting matchup, or pair. Yeah, that's a neat pair. I think it's cool that they put Calvin with the other brother. Yeah. Because like, like you said, he's well put together, and Calvin is the dead opposite of that. Like, besides, you know, the other brother being an Asgardian and Doyle literally being, like, the son of the lord of the... Yeah, Dormammu. Yeah, he's the son of Dormammu. So, like, that's a pretty big opposite. But as far as, like, just normal people, like, um, Alvy and Calvin are total opposites. You can tell Calvin's, like, the annoying little brother. He's loud. He's obnoxious. And Alvy's the opposite. He's all neat, put together. You can tell reading the panels, like... He was just rubbing Alvy the wrong way, but Alvy wasn't going to say nothing because he's not that type of person, apparently. You know? Yeah, I mean, he seems kind of more like on the lax and chill side of things while being more like analytical and well put together, like I said. Yeah. 
But I just want to see what Calvin can do. I feel like, because he's a little chunky fella, I feel like he found his magical powers like levitating a cheeseburger. <laughs> I think that would be hilarious. That would be pretty funny. If like, that was his backstory. You know, uh, uh, okay, well let me let me ask you another question. Out of all these characters, who do you use the biggest sleeper? Like, like what do you we're mean? sleeping on them. Like, that we aren't Koth. excited. Who? Koth. Which one's that? You don't even know who Koth is. That one. That's what I thought. It, that's what I thought he was. Just because that's the only one I didn't remember. Yeah, Koth. But, yeah, he in some ways kind of reminds me of Man Thing. Like I see Man Thing. Well, yeah, like he's basically you know you've got like Leafeon and Glaceon. Yeah. Like those two evolutions. If like Man Thing is Leafeon, then like. He's like little Glaceon. Yeah, I mean, he immediately loved the bayou. He hopped in and went swimming. Yeah, he was know? chilling in the swamp. Yeah, he's quiet. Like, Man-Thing doesn't actually talk. He I just think kinda, he's supposed to be an owl. I mean, that'd be really, really interesting. I would love an icy owl. Owl is a badass bird. Yeah, I think that's what he's supposed to look like. But I think we're sleeping on him. If not, then I would probably say Despair, just because we haven't seen her powers. Yeah. Besides her like, doing a couple like hand blasts during the fight. And of how she's a demon, you know? She's a literal demon. Like, she doesn't have normal legs. She has hooves. Facts. Yeah. Yeah, so, I think we'll, we'll both agree that Koth is probably the most slept on. Yeah. And another character that I think is going to be really interesting, and I think that they're going to have, like, a connection with Dr. Voodoo, is the New Orleans girl. Like, I... Yeah. There was one panel where I thought her eyes were white. Like, I thought she was going to be, like, an undead, like... Haitian voodoo queen. Oh, I thought you were going to say something like related to Storm. No. Well, like with the eyes being white, that's what I thought well, you were she's going not, with. She's a, she's a mutant, though. Right, but she can be related to Storm and uh, yeah. like not be a mutant. Yeah, I guess. But I like, it was whenever he first introduced her. Like, I thought her eyes were white, and I was like, we about to get some Haitian voodoo queen action? Like, because I love some Haitian voodoo. Like, right. I, it's, it is interesting. Yeah. But I'm ready to slap a rating on it. Yes, sir. For this one, I am coming in hot at a four. I think the only way this could have been better is if I had gotten a C-Man thing. Like when he had introduced all the substitute teachers. And maybe that's why we didn't see man thing. Maybe man thing is a permanent teacher. And he is somewhere in that swamp we saw in this issue. And like he's just doing his own thing. What if you can see his eyes like somewhere in the background? If I could, then I need to go back and read this now. (laughs) Because I'll take a picture of it. <laughs> Confirmed. Man-Thing. Issue 1, not Issue 2. Because I know he's going to be in Issue 2. Got to be. With, like, the whole solicitation for number 2 being just the class schedule. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, it doesn't mean he has to be. Yeah. I guess it doesn't mean he has to be. But I assume that that's going to kind of be the layout of the next book. Is, like, you're going to get, you know, a page or two per class. And then you're going to get some extracurricular action. Yeah. So, but either way, I mean, I think, I hope that if we do get to see that, that Koth and Man-Thing have some sort of weird interaction. That would be proof in my pudding. Like, what if Koth just walked in and, like, Man-Thing immediately just, like, dapped him up? Was like, like, nephew, what up? Like some Snoop Dogg on, like, Wiz Khalifa type. That would be something. That would be something else. Yeah, so this for me is a foe. What about you, Yako? I'm going to give it a four and a half. Hey, that's kind of where I wanted to go, but I thought that, like, if I give it a four and a half, that means, like, number two, if I like it more, then I have to give it a five. And I don't think I've dished out a five on anything yet. Yeah, I've already said I'm never dishing out a five. I thought you gave a five to something. No. 
I've okay. given several four and a halves and said, can't have a five because nothing's perfect. Yeah. But that little bit of spec we've already talked about, anything else you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. Not really. So I guess this is us un- informally introducing our spec and news. I mean, really, the only little piece we've got to talk about, and we only have about five minutes to talk about it because it was the smallest morsel that we could have found. And that was that Mark Ruffalo, yeah. the actor who plays the Hulk in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, is now in preliminary conversation to appear in the She-Hulk Disney Plus TV show. Yeah, that that was that little bit. And, you know, it's not for us, like, this whole lack of spec and news this week isn't for, like, a lack of trying. I just want to put it out there that it was so dry that one of the news sources was talking about something that's three months old. Like, there was one of them that were talking about the actor for Falcon confirmed he was going to take up the shield and be Captain America. Like, really? You don't say. What about the other one, the Loki one that ticked you off? Oh, yeah. we also seen where one of the big MCU, like, rumor mills, I'm not going to call them out, but they they had new news that Enchantress was in the talks to being Loki. Like, that was four or five episodes ago that we talked about that. Yes. And they just need to get with the program. Yeah, either give me some new news or give me no news at all, please. Yeah, like, please don't pull up I stuff I can go back me. and look at your old articles. Yeah. Like, it's really just, like, search Enchantress to see how many times it pops up. But we ain't got too much spec. We've already talked about the whole DC might be dead. Yeah, I mean, in the in the coming months, maybe even a year from now. I mean, unless something crazy happens, either if their movies, you know, make a ridiculous amount versus how much they spend on budget, or if their comics just really start to take off and blow up. I mean, really, the only thing in DC right now that's super hype that the community as a whole is embracing is the new. Tinian or Tanyan, as I think I got educated recently by Comic Tom and his group, because um, I think they met him at C2E2 or talked to a creator like Donnie that might know yeah. Tanyan. But I think that's how you pronounce it. I've been saying Tinian the whole time. I mean, that to me looked how you pronounce it, but I mean, it's his last name, not mine. But Tanyan's run on Batman right now has introduced that punchline. We talked about punchline both last week with Hell Arisen number three, her first full appearance, or first full body appearance, rather. And then in the Batman issue 89 before that was her first cameo appearance. And both of those books have limited print runs for first print and have just skyrocketed and like i said that's really the only thing from dc that is really community shaking yeah so unless dc really finds some way either start pumping out a bunch of new characters that people really well receive or start writing really original material like great just prolific stuff then we might be seeing Death knocking on DC's doorsteps. They need to find them a writer like Donny Case or Scotty Young. Yeah, some kind of untapped new thing. That's what I'm saying. Like Donny Cates, I know he's been working for quite some time, but he's only really been a household name like for about two years now, maybe yeah. less. And then Scotty Young like came on the scene in 2015 with doing variant covers. Yeah. 
And so, I mean, Marvel kind of found, like, their their guys that were just diamonds in the rough. Or, yeah. you know, just their undiscovered, untapped talent and made them their own. I mean, me and you talked about a Tom King book today, and he's a big name in D.C., and even it wasn't hitting on too much. Yeah. You know? It's crazy to talk about it. Because, I mean, without, you know, I would say without the Jedi there is no Sith. And without the Sith, there is no Jedi. So, without Marvel, is there a DC? Without DC, is there a Marvel? Like, I think if DC died, Dark Horse would pick up their slack. I definitely agree with that, because Dark Horse is that They're just waiting for their time. Yeah. Like, you know, like, yeah, DC used to be edgy. They did have Black Manus kill the infant that one time. But, like... Black Horse is the one that's they had really Jason with. Todd get slapped up with a crowbar by Joker. Yeah. They need to either like revert back to the savage side, side of them and start pushing that stuff, or they're not going to die because that's why I got DC fans into them. You know, For when sure. Batman had a really dark story to tell, now he doesn't. You know, that's just not happening. Batman's always got to win every time, and even whenever he doesn't, like the uh, Doctor Freeze little arc I bought. Even like then, like it was just like, oh, I've lost this one little battle, you know? Right. Like, but back whenever Jason Todd got slapped, that belt broke the bat, you know? Indeed. And that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, and like for instance, you just said break the bat. I mean, what about when Bane like threw that man over his knee and just bye bye back? That's what I was referring to. Oh well, I mean, all the more reason like that literally did, you know? Yeah. Put Batman out for a couple. Well, issues. I wasn't referring to that, but I was like hinting at that giving a little homage yeah it's like they just aren't hitting on it like they used to anymore where marvel's been on it facts you know like they are they've all they're always on it like marvel's just really really good about marketing if marvel if marvel has a dry spell then the whole industry has a dry spell i feel like (laughs) probably so (laughs) i can't remember i mean we're you know, 21 and 22, so can we really remember, like, a dark time for Marvel? I mean, I doubt even during what's quote-unquote the comic bubble from, like, 95 to, like, 05, yeah. like, or from 90 to 05, like, it is it, you know, was that really a dry spell for Marvel? Like, I mean, come on now. I mean, Black Suit Spider-Man was somewhere in the 90s, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. Maybe in the 80s. I mean, you can check me on that if you want to. I don't think it was 80s. I think it was 90s. I don't think it was that late in the 90s, so I think it was, like, right there to turn. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, it was probably at the cusp of, like, copper and what's considered modern age now. Yeah. But either way, ladies and gentlemen, that's all we have to offer you this week. We hope you enjoyed the podcast as usual, and we hope you continue to listen, because there's no definite stop in our game. All right, signing out is Macadelic and... Skelly Boy. We'll talk to y'all later. Deuces.